0: Well, good morning, new day. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here today. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we are so glad that you're here. And if you're joining us here for the first time, we're currently in a mini-series in the Gospel of Matthew on the parables of Jesus. And I have the privilege of wrapping up this uh, mini-series today. And Mike will be back up again next week as we continue through the Gospel of Matthew. But today we're covering the parable of the net, which Jesus shares in Matthew 13, 47 through 52. So let me ask you, how many of you like to fish out here? Any, any, a few, okay. A little bit more than first service, that's good, that's good. I like the concept for sure, right? Cast out a line, catch a fish, reel it in, right? I mean, that sounds amazing. But you need bait, right? You need bait, and every type of fish is attracted to a different type of bait. And then there's the temperature of the water, and what time of day are you fishing? Are you in the morning or in the night? And and uh, you know, just because fish, you know, they swim at different, you know, different uh, depths during the different parts of the day. And then there's the worms, the really slimy worms that you got to put on the hook and just really not my favorite. You know, maybe a little bit of um, childhood drama that I'm not gonna package right now. Um, but, you know, maybe fishing is really, really not my thing. But I do, I do love to try new things for sure. And a few years back, a few of my closest friends and I decided, let's try out fly fishing. Let's go try out fly fishing. So we're like, all right, let's do it. Let's, uh, so we drove out to Vermont. We rented some equipment. Uh, we actually got some tips from a professional uh, fly fisher. So we're like, we, we got this. Um, so you know, we headed out to the water. Um, and I, I couldn't really wait to like... You know, get my first fish, you know show it off to the guys, um, take a selfie you know, and kind of do all the fun things that people do when they're when they're fishing. And I can tell you that we were on there on the river for about five hours. I probably threw out, I mean, I was good, I got good at it, but you know, after about 100 casts, um, times the four of us all doing the same thing, not even one nibble, not one nibble from any of us that entire time. No showing off, no selfies, just five hours on a river. Now, don't get me wrong, it was beautiful on that, on that river that day, and maybe that should have been the win, uh, but we were there to catch fish, and we failed miserably, for sure. On the Sea of Galilee, the fishermen used three basic methods of fishing. Line and hook, similar to all of that success I had doing. Um, small one-man net casting and a very large team needed dragnet called a Sajun. And that is the type of fishing and what Jesus is referring to in today's parable. So as with the previous parables, I'm gonna do the following outline to get us um, you know, going through this message today. So first we'll cover the story, second we'll cover the symbols, and third and finally we'll cover the significance the meaning of us who live for today. So if you're taking notes, let's begin with this, the story. So we'll pick up in verse 47. It says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad so will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus wraps up this section of scripture with this. Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Jesus's illustration of God's judgment was a common one at that time to his hearers, especially those that live near the Sea of Galilee. And most of his disciples were fishermen, so it was the most natural thing in the world that Jesus used the illustration of fishing when telling this parable. All right, now that we've covered the story, let's turn our attention to our next fill-in-the-blank, which is the symbols. I want to spend some time together unpacking this passage into bite-sized parts to help us really better understand what Jesus was teaching the people through this parable. So our first fill-in-the-blank in this section is this, the gathering. Let's read the first verse again. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. So this specific type of fishing was with the large net, like I said before, sometimes up to a half square mile in size. That would be dragged between two boats, catching everything in its path and bringing it ashore. And again, this is very different than line and hook fishing, where you are probably baiting a specific type of fish one at a time. The invisible web of God's judgment encroaches on every human being just as of the dragnet encroaches on the fish. Most humans don't comprehend the kingdom of God, and they do not see God working in the world This may be briefly moved by the gospel. You know, people might be moved by the gospel or frightened by the threat of judgment, but they soon return to their old ways of thinking and living, living, oblivious to the things of eternity. But when man's day is over and Christ returns to set up his glorious kingdom, then judgment will come. Let me just take just a few minutes and give you a quick explanation of the two different forms of judgment that will happen in the future to help give some context to the story, the gathering of judgment that Jesus is referring to. So let's start with the believers, those that have accepted Christ as their savior. All believers will experience judgment Whether you're alive at the time of the rapture or have already died beforehand, you will face the judgment seat of Christ spoken of in 2 Corinthians 5.10. The gathering Jesus is referring to in today's parable, though, will be for those who have accepted Christ during the tribulation and the millennial reign, which is after the rapture, as well as for the wicked who have died apart from Christ since the beginning of time. The parable of the net describes the last judgment, which is called the great white throne judgment. (laughs) Let's move on. Our next fill in the blank in this section is the sorting. And here's the verse. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. It would take the fishermen several hours to you know, pull that net ashore to the beach. And they would gather the good fish in containers and they would throw away the bad. The caption on this photo that is coming up on the screen said this, workers on board the fishing boat sort the catch by type, dividing it between fish with commercial value and useless by catch. It is the nature of the dragnet that it does not and cannot discriminate. It is bound to draw in all kinds of things in its course through the water. Its contents are bound to be a mixture. The parable of the net describes the situation that exists when the last judgment takes place. The kingdom will gather the good fish and the bad fish and only the final sweep of the net gathers everything to sort them out. So on to the next part. And here we have our next fill in the blank on what I'm calling the separation. Here's the verse. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus continues his interpretation of the parable by explaining the separation of good and bad fish represents God's judgment at the end of the age. We are in the church age. God permits unbelief and unrighteousness, but the time is coming when his toleration will end and his judgment begins. And perhaps no doctrine is harder to accept emotionally than the doctrine of hell. Yet it is so clear and too often mentioned in scripture to either deny or ignore. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked and does not desire that anyone perish. The Lord wept over Jerusalem because the people would not come to him and be saved. Jesus warns us about hell, not to put people in agony, to save them from it. And did you know that Jesus talks more about uh, hell than any other prophet or apostle? He actually talked more about hell than love. He warned men of hell, promising no no escape for those who refused his gracious, loving offer of salvation And hell is not merely the fate of forever reliving bad memories or of going out into the nothingness as many people believe and teach, nor is it a place where sinners will continue their sinning unrestrained and unrebuked. There will be no pleasure in hell at all, not even the perverted pleasure of sin, only its punishment. You know, this interviewer asked um, this young punk rock singer, what she was looking forward to the most at the end of her career. And she replied, death. I'm looking forward to death. So of course the interviewer is like, why? Why are you looking forward to death? And she said, I wanna go to hell because hell will be fun. And that such deception is tragic beyond words. Nothing could less describe hell than fun the human mind cannot begin to conceive of the eternal horror that is hell. And the finite mind can't comprehend infinite pain and torment any more than it can comprehend infinite joy and bliss. Let me share with you just four basic truths about the furnace of fire. Hell is a place of constant torment, misery, and pain. Hell's torment is also described as fire that will never go out and cannot be extinguished. Hell will involve torment of both body and soul. The torments of hell will be experienced in varying degrees. For everyone, hell, the suffering will be intense and permanent, but some will experience greater torment than others. And the torment of hell will be everlasting. Nothing will be more horrible about hell as its endlessness. People in hell will experience the total absence of hope. So yes, all of this is very terrible. Thank you, Peter, for such an uplifting message the week after Easter. (laughs) Thank you, Mike, for picking this one for me. But as far as the symbolism goes here, The parable of the net speaks to that day where every person, dead or alive, will have to face the judgment of God and will spend eternity forever in one of those places, heaven or hell. And we can be discouraged by the reality of this parable or we can really let it sink in and ask ourselves, what can we do about this reality? So let's move on to the last part of this section, in what I called the significance. Jesus wraps up this section in our entire mini series in Matthew with these words. Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, meaning his disciples responding, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Jesus is instructing his disciples to bring out of his treasure house things old and new. And what Jesus is in effect saying is this, you are able to understand because you came to me with a fine heritage. You came with me with all the teaching of the law and the prophets. But now that I've instructed you and you know, you've been instructed by me, you have the knowledge, not only of the things you used to know, but of the things you never knew before. And I think there is something very eye-opening here. For it means that Jesus never desired or intended that any man should forget all he knew when he came to him, but that he should see his knowledge in a new light and use it in a new service. Every person here that has accepted Jesus as their savior brings with them their own God-given gifts and abilities and life experiences. And Jesus asks that we use our gifts and our experiences and our abilities along with our new knowledge of him to serve his kingdom. And sadly, many people think that when a person declares their salvation for Christ, that they must give things up to concentrate on the so-called religious things. But a teacher should not give up on teaching when he or she becomes a Christian. Rather, they should use their platform and influence for Christ. The same is true for a businessman or a businesswoman. They shouldn't give up their business Rather, they should run it as a Christian should, right? Fair and just. And the theme continues for those that can sing or dance or act or paint. Don't give up your art, but use your talents as a Christian should. In short, Colossians 3:23 to 24 says, whatever you do, whatever kind of work you are doing, work heartily with all your heart in all the different ways that play out in scripture with Christ-like character, with honesty, with diligence, with integrity, with humility. Jesus did not come to empty life, but to fill it, not to impoverish life, but to enrich it. And here we see Jesus telling man not to abandon their gifts, but to use them even more wonderfully in the light of the knowledge which he has given them. And Jesus desires the same for us, that we as individuals will use our gifts, our unique talents combined with the knowledge of him to share our faith with others. It's the gospel that offers hope, salvation, and forgiveness. The more people who receive the good news, the less will have to face the great white throne judgment and ultimate damnation. And as a church, we also have a calling and a great responsibility to share the gospel message to make Mark and mature followers of Christ. Last week on Easter Sunday, eight new people came to accept Christ as their savior, right? That's amazing. Absolutely. And just since the beginning of the year, I think Andrew was sharing that we've had over 100 people accept Christ as their savior. How amazing is that, right? New Day has a vision and a responsibility as a church to reach as many people as we possibly can so we can change the trajectory of their lives and eternal destiny. Now, in light of the reality that all of history is marching towards the time of judgment, so how how should we respond as a church? And the answer is this, we need more gospel preaching churches. And one of the most impactful ways to share your faith is by inviting friends and family to attend church with you. And that's exactly why we're starting a new location this fall in Massachusetts. And if you'd like to help lost people get right with God before the coming judgment, here are some ways that you can do that. The number one is this, pray for our new location. <laughs> I know many of you have been asking and wondering, where are we going? There were three specific towns in Massachusetts that we were looking at for available spaces to launch this campus in West Springfield and Springfield and Agawam. And we chose those towns strategically because many of you in this room currently live in these towns or surrounding area. And I can say with the utmost confidence that the place we have chosen was bathed in prayer. Many doors were closed during our search, but this one just continued to remain open. We sensed God's favor each step of the way as we pursued this location and went through the negotiation process. And I am pleased to announce that we have signed a letter of intent for a lease space in Agawam, Mass. <clears throat> so the actual location is in the Southgate Shopping Plaza on Suffield Street in Agua, Mass. The least space that is available is a 12,500 square foot storefront that will give us the ability to offer every ministry that we have here, just on a little bit of a smaller scale. For example, the auditorium that you're sitting in right now seats about 400 people, and the one that, um, that you just saw on the, on the screen will hold about 275 people in the auditorium. Our kids program here can hold as many as 150 kids on a given service on a Sunday, and the kids space in Agawam will be able to handle about 90 kids per service, which is right ratio for the size of the auditorium um, space. And don't worry, we will have coffee there too. (laughs) So right now we have a signed letter of intent and that gives us 60 days to do our due diligence. And as we enter this next phase of working with the town of Aguam, we ask for your continued prayers. For us to meet our goal of opening up the doors to this new location in September, we need God's continued favor. He has already shown up in such a big way, and for that, I am extremely thankful, but I just ask for your continuing prayers as we continue to move forward. All right, the second way you can impact the kingdom of God is to give to help with the new location. We have negotiated a great price on the terms of the lease, but very soon we need to make this open warehouse space look and feel like New Day. And I can remember very vividly when this space looked similar to the space that you just saw on the screen, just an open, open space. But many of you now tell us how comfortable you feel when you're here. And we want people to feel that same way when they walk through the doors of that location as well. Our hope is that there will be a very warm and welcoming foyer furnished with a cafe and fun and exciting classrooms along the back and a similar looking auditorium like the one that you're sitting in right now. New Day is in great financial shape because of your giving and we are ready to move forward with these renovations. But if God is calling you, specifically those people that have the gift of giving to help support this endeavor financially, I promise you that it will make a significant impact on God's kingdom. And if that is you, you can give through our church center app, just like you do any of your other giving. You can just choose the building fund, and that will go towards this space in Aguam. And I wholeheartedly thank you in advance for your financial support. And lastly, you could become an adventurer. Now, some of you have already reached out to me about how you can be part of this new endeavor. And I can't wait to start meeting with you now that we know where we're going. We introduced this term adventure when we announced we were starting a second location a few months back. And James makes it clear in the New Testament book of James, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Some of you have already been doers, hence the amazing impact that we've had on so many lives just this year. But we have this incredible opportunity this coming fall to increase our influence in this area by opening up this second location. And I am excited to be leading the way as the campus pastor of that location. The adventures will be made up of people that are in here in the person today or maybe even online that will make our location in Agawam, their new church home. So you might be asking yourselves then, like what exactly is an adventurer? And I'm defining an adventurer kind of with these uh, few things in mind. One option is that some of you will begin attending this location simply because of the proximity of where you live to this new location in Agawam. We have heard for many years that those that attend this location that come from Mass can have a difficult, you know, difficult time inviting friends and family from their neighborhood or work because we're down in Connecticut. And we're hoping that it will be easier and more effective to invite friends and family once we have this location back in Massachusetts. Another group of people that will call themselves adventurers are those of you that have it on your heart and desire to help with this new ministry and will begin to serve on our dream team at this location. Our plan right now is to start this location with two services, one at 10 a.m. and 1130 a.m. That means to run an effective location with a kids program and a host team and a safety team and a, and a hospitality, because we want coffee, and a hospitality team <laughs> and a production team and a worship team so we can have you know, a live band there. We need upwards from 80 to 100 volunteers each week to cover all of the roles for both services. And we, we realize right now that that will cause some of you here to have to stop serving at this location to serve at that new location. And as exciting as that is, that requires some important steps to make that transition happen smoothly. First, we're gonna have to start off with who you are, and then we need to figure out how we can backfill your responsibilities here with someone that will be staying in Enfield. We are currently designing a t-shirt Uh, that current volunteers here in Enfield um, will start, you know, that are feeling called to Agawam will begin to wear this spring and summer. And whenever you're serving here in Enfield, you can wear that shirt. And our hope and prayer is that people that will be staying here will come up to you asking, how can I replace you so that you can freely go to Agawam? The attendees at this new location, you will hear the same message spoken by the same pastor that's happening here in Enfield, and we'll have our own worship experience, live worship worship experience there. So if any of this that I'm sharing with you right now is resonating with you, I'd like to personally invite you to our first adventure informational session. This meeting is going to be held on Sunday, April 30th just in a few weeks at 6 p.m. right in this auditorium. And this will be a great opportunity to get some more of that inside scoop on the new location, meet some of the staff that's going to be joining me to work there, learn about how I'll be running things at that location, and uh, answering any questions and much, much more. Now remember... This is just an informational meeting, okay? I'm not making you sign some agreed upon (laughs) contract binding you to this location, all right, in Agawam. It's just an informational meeting. So if that is something that you uh, desire to be a part of or wanna learn more, I invite you to be there. The way you can do that is if you are interested, you can pull out your smartphones, open up that Church Center app right on the homepage, and you can click the Adventure Team RSVP. You complete that form with your name and contact, and I will look forward to seeing you on April 30th. Here's my prayer right now. I'm praying for at least 200 people that are currently making Enfield their home church. Hopefully, will be able to join me in Agawam this coming fall so that they can be attending there, serving there, inviting their friends and family, and supporting financially. I am beyond excited uh, to meet some of those people and some of you that are probably in this room right now. So I look forward to seeing you on April 30th. Whether you will continue to attend New Day Enfield or begin attending New Day Aguam, we have a responsibility as believers to do all that we can to share the gospel message with those who do not believe so that more and more people will not face the judgment and ultimate punishment for sin that we learned about today. If you're here today and have not accepted Christ as your savior, you learned today that judgment day is coming for all of us for believers before the rapture, and sadly for some, maybe even after the rapture. But Jesus spoke of this in John 5, 28 to 29. He said this, a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. But if you miss the rapture, and consequently the judgment seat of Christ, your judgment will come at the great white throne judgment at the end of the millennium. And I hope, and I hope, and I hope that no one here will have to face that. And the only way that we can guarantee that is to accept Christ as your savior and to begin living for him. So as we close our time in prayer, I'd like to give you the chance to do just that. I'd like to invite everyone here to say this prayer with me in your heart. So let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you for making available to me the privilege of reigning with Jesus in his future kingdom. I realize this is only for those who have made their peace with you through the forgiveness of sins, that Jesus alone can offer. Today, I'm asking you to forgive my sins through Jesus. I want to be at peace with you. I also pray for your help in responding properly to the reality of Judgment Day. Help me to be patient as I await this coming kingdom. Help me to be faithful in using my time and my talents and my treasure to help others get saved. Help me to live for eternal priorities and not temporal ones. Help me to always serve you willingly and to never believe the lies of Satan. I can't do these things on my own, so I'm asking for your help. And I pray all of these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for experiencing this message with us. Do you want more New Day Church in your life? Well, please like and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Want to take a next step in your faith? Our Church Center app is the best place to get more connected. So just download the free app on your app store today and be sure to choose New Day Church in Enfield, Connecticut. We are able to offer this sermon and all others like it only because of your faithful financial support. Thank you to all of you who so faithfully give each week. If you feel led to support our ministry financially, just go to our website at newdaychurch.cc forward slash give. Thank you in advance. May God richly bless you and we hope to see you again real soon.